0: Father in heaven, we pray your spirit will be with us now, that we will be a wise and understanding people, because that is why you have revealed to us what you have revealed. Help us, in Jesus' name, amen. So I have a few questions for you as we begin today, and these are rhetorical. You don't need to answer them. We're not going to raise hands or anything. Um, and they're not as bad as my usual questions, so I know by now you've become suspicious when I ask you questions. I'm probably trapping you somehow, but these are, these are not completely like that. So uh, you don't have to answer, but, but just a few questions to get our minds started. First one, is God interested in and near to His people, or is He disinterested and distant? What you think about that will affect how you live your life okay second question has god revealed his will to us or has he left us to figure everything out on our own all right third question is the faith we possess to be ours alone or do we who believe have a responsibility to share what god has revealed Now, that's actually kind of an interesting question in our day, because what is it that's become the normal thing to say about faith or religion? Well, faith is private, right? We hear that a lot, don't we? It doesn't belong in the public square. Whether we we realize it or not, we're bombarded with a message that says, yeah, believe whatever you want, but make sure you keep it here. So think about those things. I want us to have those questions in our mind as we consider a passage today from Deuteronomy chapter four. And we'll begin in verse one of Deuteronomy four. It says, now Israel, hear the decrees and laws I am about to teach you. This is Moses talking here. Follow them so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your ancestors is giving you. Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. So like I mentioned, this is Moses speaking, and the words of Moses that are recorded here in the book of Deuteronomy are some of the last things he will say to the children of Israel, because if you remember the story, Moses doesn't actually lead them into the promised land. Joshua leads them across the river into the promised land, And Moses gives them some words right at the end. Most of the book of Deuteronomy is the words of Moses to the people just before entering the land. Now, of these things we've read, verses 1 and 2, I find a particular interest here, verse 2. I'll read it to you again. It says, Do not add to what I command you, and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. Now, there's two things I want you to notice here. First of all, He's speaking of the commands that he's going to give as the commands of the Lord your God. So these commands are coming from God. But then the second point I find very interesting is that he says the people should not add to them, nor should they subtract from them. This saying that Moses says here will actually be echoed over a thousand-plus years later by the Apostle John when he's writing the book of Revelation. And we find in Revelation 22, verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. So now the essential point in both places is very clear. God has revealed important information that is supposed to alter the way we live our lives. But we must fight against the desire to add to it, even if we think doing so will bring clarity, or subtracting from it, even if we think doing so will keep us relevant. We're not to just pick and choose the parts we want. And we're not to add a whole bunch of stuff on top of us. And from this, we can and should discern an approach to the things that have been revealed and given to us that can and should be a rule for us. First of all, we are to receive all that the Lord has given us in His Word, not just the parts we like. The entire revelation of the Lord. Second, we are not to add to what the Lord has given us, even when we think we're helping. We should also be aware of another trap, that of attempting to know beyond what God has revealed. As Moses will very well state later in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, listen to these words. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. To whom do the secret things belong? The Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to who? Is it just us? And to our children forever. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Why? That we may follow all the words of this law. The secret things belong to God. But the revealed things belong to us and to our children." Now these words are a challenge to us, are they not? For how often have we decried God concerning the things that remain secret and have not been made known to us, yet totally neglect to study and know everything that He has revealed and that has been made known to us? We want to know the secret thing but we don't learn the revealed thing. What am I talking about? Well, you know, the secret things like, why did I lose my job? Why did my loved one get cancer? Why do I love someone who doesn't love me? Why did the one I love have to die? Why is there famine? Why is there war? Why did Puerto Rico get destroyed by Hurricane Maria? the secret things. We don't know these. The secret things belong to God. There's some more. Why doesn't God work miracles today every time I think He should? Why doesn't God make all His people rich and prosperous? Why does God allow the wicked to prosper? When will you come again, Lord Jesus? The secret thing. How much energy do we use up trying to find out the secret things? And do we use as much energy seeking to understand the things that are revealed as we waste trying to know the secret things? Back to the things that are revealed. Deuteronomy 4, verse 3. You saw with your own eyes what the Lord did at Baal-peor. The Lord your God destroyed from among you everyone who followed the Baal of Peor, but all of you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today. Now this incident that took place in the vicinity of Peor uh, was very fresh in the minds of the people because it had happened just a little bit before that. But because it's not so fresh in our minds, I'll remind you what this story is. Israel was camped in the vicinity of Peor, and Balak, the king of the Moabites sent for Balaam to come and speak a curse over the people of Israel because he was afraid of them. And Balaam came down, and this is the story where he talks with the donkey and all of that. And Balaam came down and tried to speak a curse over Israel, but was he able to do it? No, the Lord would not let him curse his people. But after he had failed in cursing them, Balaam went on to counsel Balak, and the Moabites along with the Midianites on a way that they could defeat Israel. The method that he suggested for them to defeat Israel was he needed to get them separated from the Lord God who would not allow them to be cursed. So he said, here's what you do. You get the women of the Moabites and the Midianites to seduce the Israelites into idolatry and thus separate them from the Lord. And as the story shows, the strategy worked, and a great plague broke out, and many of the people of Israel died. Why did it happen? It happened because the people did not hold fast to everything that had been revealed to the things they'd been taught. It was as if many of them totally forgot the things that God taught them. Like, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Deuteronomy 4, verse 5. See, I have taught you decrees and laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of. Observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. There's a very interesting point here that I think too often we miss. We miss whenever we start talking about laws and decrees that the Lord has given us. And in my mind, this is how it goes. This is how we miss it when we think of the laws and decrees of the Lord we self center them thinking in terms of what I must do to satisfy God's lengthy list of requirements for me and in this context the laws and decrees become onerous and burdensome to us and we come to perceive the purpose of obedience To be so that we would be good enough to be saved. And in this context, the revealed things, which is what the laws and and the decrees of the Lord are, they are the revealed things, become to us a curse instead of a blessing something we have to adhere to or else our vindictive God will get mad and come along and destroy our Otherwise catch these words are otherwise happy little lives of disobedience Think about that for a minute There's a problem with that isn't there There's no such thing as a happy little life of disobedience Such thinking is fatally flawed, for you see, God hasn't just revealed to us an arbitrary list of things we have to do to satisfy Him. What God has truly revealed to us in His laws is how He created humans to live. God created us with a purpose in mind. He created us with a way to live that would bring us joy and happiness and effectiveness an impact. And when we live according to how he created us to be, we find that we are successful, impactful, and even happy. But it's when we go contrary to what he has revealed that we find our lives becoming very complicated and very painful. When any group of people comes to understand this and to live according to the blessing of what has been revealed, rather than living in the revelation as though it were a curse, the impact on that group of people is very powerful, not just within the community itself, but even outside the community. Deuteronomy 4, verse 6. Listen to this again. Observe them carefully. What is the them? The them is the things revealed. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees, all of these things that the Lord has revealed to us, and say, surely this, is a great, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. You see, here's the thing. The laws that God has given, you know what He's done with those laws? He's given you inside information on how He created humans to live. And it's information that other nations don't know. In the case of Israel, you see, God revealed His laws and decrees to Israel and the other nations didn't know. The purpose of all that the Lord had revealed to Israel was so that by observing those things, Israel would become a great nation, impacting the world and making the nations of the world jealous that Israel had a God so close and so good. Man, I wish we had a God that good that would give us a little inside information because we're just making a mess of things here. Look at them. They've really got it together. Deuteronomy 4, verse 7. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? The laws and decrees that the Lord revealed were supposed to have been a great blessing to the people. In fact, based solely on the laws the Lord set up for them, if Israel had followed the laws that God set up for them as a people, they would have become the greatest nation in the history of the world. But alas, it is hard to be faithful when what faithfulness requires is that we go against selfish inclinations. Anybody else found that to be true? It's true in my life. It's hard to be faithful to something that will bring about a long-term good when there's a short-term pleasure I want now. Especially when selfishness so often seems to work out for us in the near term, Right? just ask anyone who bought a house in the year 2005 and then tried to sell it in the year 2011. That's something we did. Maybe you heard of that thing called the housing crisis, the the housing bubble. So we got what we thought was a really good deal on our house in Georgia in the year 2005, paid about $160,000 for it, yes. Tried to sell it in the year 2011 when we moved here, it wasn't worth 160000 anymore. It was worth 100000 now. And no, we hadn't put $60,000 worth of equity in it at that point. Why did it happen? Well, it happened because short-term selfishness created a scenario of long-term pain. But that's a negative example. Let me give you a more positive contemporary example of what long-term faithfulness can do. And I'm talking about nations here. I'm talking about big picture groups of people. I call your mind again to the National Geographic study of places in the world where people live statistically longer than would be expected you remember this it's been talked about for quite a few years now One of the places in the world where people live statistically longer than they should is Loma Linda, California and why do people in Loma Linda, California live statistically longer than would be expected. Well, they live longer because the majority of the population of Loma Linda, California has long-term lived according to the health principles revealed to the Seventh-day Adventist Church through the Bible and Ellen White. It's simple. Enough of them have done it long-term that you statistically see a difference now I admit longevity in Loma Linda California is but a scratching of the surface of the blessing the Lord longs to see brought about by full ranging faithfulness on the part of his people to those things that have been revealed and it's only the narrowest fulfillment of the words of Deuteronomy 4 6 Observe them carefully, the revealed things, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Well, in fact, it has in that narrow way, hasn't it? The nations have gone and looked and said, Why is it you live longer and found out it's because of this revealed understanding that you have, that you've lived according to, and they have marveled at that reality. What a wise and understanding people to live this way. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. When people think of Christians in general, do they usually also think, wow, what a wise and understanding people. I'm afraid that's a no. And according to this, it's because we don't live the fullness of what God has revealed. Therefore, nobody's lining up to find out why we're so wise and understanding. Loma Linda ought to be all the anecdotal evidence we might require to suggest that we in Apopka could really become something if we all lived according to what has been revealed. And by that I mean far more than that we would all somehow live to a healthy 100, to coin a phrase. That's a great idea. But it's a narrow piece, isn't it? Because the Lord has revealed to us way more than just health things. All of which brings us to the real point I want to make today, the point that comes next in Deuteronomy 4 verse 9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. There are many secret things of God that we're never going to know. Let that sink in, because I want you to accept that fact. It will bring much peace to your life if you can accept this. There are many secret things of God that we will never know. The secret things belong to who? The Lord God. But there is also so much that the Lord has revealed, and it belongs to us and to our children. And I would even go so far as to suggest to you these points. If you need it, God has revealed it. If you need it, God has revealed it. Doesn't mean you know it yet, but that's because maybe you haven't looked yet. Second, if it's secret, you don't need it. See if you can remember this next time you go to God And he just isn't forthcoming regarding what it is you wanted to know. Can we believe we don't need it if he hasn't revealed it? But I want to reiterate that first point, lest we become fixated on the second. If you need it, God has revealed it. But what God has revealed will be of no use to you if you don't learn it, keep it fresh in your mind, and never forget it. God could reveal all kinds of stuff, but if we don't avail ourselves to what He's revealed, what good is His revelation? Zero. None. What is the primary source in which God has revealed His will to us? What is it? It's the Bible, isn't it? Next time you're tempted to go to God over what the secret things are that He hasn't revealed, maybe instead go to the Word that He has revealed. But here's the thing. Even if you go to His Word, you know His Word and you're living it. You're still not done. One additional step remains. Teach these things that are revealed to your children and your children after them. So I take you back to the questions we started with today. Is God interested in and near to His people, or is He disinterested and distant? Well, the whole point that Moses is making in this passage is what is so special about our God is that he's interested in us and he's near second question has God revealed his will to us or has he left us to figure everything out on his own the whole point in the rest of this passage is Moses is saying he has revealed his will he's given us inside information we know things about living that the rest of the nations don't know, and they're going to be jealous because we have a God so close to us that's given us inside information. And finally, is the faith we possess to be ours alone, or do we who believe have a responsibility to share what God has revealed? Well, very clearly, the text indicates two things. One, We are to teach it to our children. And two, when we live out what the Lord has revealed, it will be a testimony to the nations. So, as we wrap up today, I want to call us to some commitments. Commitment number one commit ourselves to what God has revealed. That primarily I'm talking about the Bible here, but there are more venues than that. God reveals little things to us in other ways. Sometimes in our, in our quiet time, alone in prayer. Sometimes in interacting with an individual or with a small group, God will share a word. Now, we don't take those little mini-revelations and put them on the standard level of the Bible. We don't make that mistake. But we do look for God's leading in our life through the Spirit, through the words of others, through times of interaction. But beyond that, we commit ourselves to going to the primary source of God's revelation, the Bible. And if you're going to know it, that means reading all of it, not just the parts you like. And if it's going to stay fresh, that means when you're done, starting again. And if you're going to teach it to your children, you're going to need to know it yourself. Because what do you call the people who know the revelation of God and live it out? They're called wise and people of understanding. So what would you call people who either don't know what God has revealed or don't live it out? Well, let's go this way with it. Do you remember when Jesus said, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock? What happens when the storm comes? It stays, doesn't it? But what do we call the man who hears the word and doesn't put it in practice? He's the foolish man, isn't he? The first commitment is to receive and know that which is ours. God has given us everything revealed. The second commitment is to live according to that word. And by living according to that word, we become a testimony to those around us because long-term faithfulness to the revelation of God creates success, creates influence, And creates happiness. Third commitment, that we commit ourselves to teaching what has been revealed to our children. Now, different stages, different people. Some of you have grown children, some of you have young children. Those of you with young children, this is pretty straightforward, isn't it? Know the Word, teach it to your kids. Family worship, Conversation, every opportunity you get. Grown children, maybe a little trickier, especially if there were some years when you didn't live out what you knew. But live it now, because scripture says the nations will be drawn to faithfulness. Live it now. Maybe you have no children. Okay partner with the rest to pass the faith on to the generations. We do that here. One of the ways we do that is in our homes. That's where it starts. That's the most important place. But there are other things we do. It's called Christian education, Adventist education. This church is a, is a big part of supporting Forest Lake Education Center. Uh, principal Jewel, the principal of the school, was our, gave our announcements today, a very important part of our community and a part of the work of this church, and we contribute to that because we believe it matters, that it helps pass on what is revealed, that it helps our young people live by what has been revealed, to be wise people of understanding. But then there's another thing we do, it's called Sabbath School, a place where we take the kids and we teach them the things revealed. Maybe if you don't have kids, maybe you should volunteer sometime to be a part of that process so you can understand how important what the Bible says really is. Teach these things to the children. Pass them on. And maybe if you did volunteer and do that, you would go down there and realize that for being such a great people, we don't have a very good space for teaching these things to our children. And that's the reason we have a project. It's all part of the same reality. It's a part of teaching the revealed things to our children. And more than that, it's a part of having a place to which the nations can be drawn when they are drawn to us because of our faithfulness to the revealed things of God. We've talked about our Building Boldly for Jesus project a lot of different times, a lot of different ways. We're getting down closer and closer to the point where we're going to have everything finalized and be ready to go. The building committee met this last week and worked with different representatives. This project is going forward. The question is not whether or not God will see it done, because I believe it is one of those things He has revealed to us as His purpose for us. The question is not whether or not it will be done. The only question left outstanding is, will we all be a part of God's victory? Mordecai said to Esther, no doubt God will deliver his people. The question is, will you be a part of that deliverance or not? So you see these charts. We've had them up here for a little while. It's really about participation. We'll reach all of these numbers if everyone participates. And we've indicated in many different ways our commitment and our desire to be a part of this and to see this done yet we haven't moved the charts much. So I'm going to assume that was simply because it was not a convenient season, but now that it's fall, I'm certain it's a convenient season, right? You have a card. One of the things God calls us to do is teach the children. One of the ways we're going to make sure that works is to have the very best facility we can reasonably have to do that. That's a key part of what this project is about. Now I hope you won't let any more time go by. We're not going to talk about this every Sabbath, but we are going to get it done. And I hope today is the day you'll make your commitment to be a part of this project. We still need one-time gifts. They come out of what God has blessed you with. We still need pledges. They come out of how God is sustaining you. I challenge everyone to be a part of this because it is a key piece of how we take that which is revealed and pass it on to our children. Let's pray. Father in heaven, the secret things are yours. And we release our need to know them and allow them to remain in your hands. But the revealed things belong to us and to our children. And so today, Lord, we commit ourselves to familiarizing ourselves with what's revealed and then to putting into practice those things in our life so that we would be called a wise and understanding people. And that the nations would look here and say, I wish I had a God that was so close, who revealed such wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for all you've revealed. In Jesus' name, amen.